What's going on, everyone? Welcome to a Thursday edition of Back Your Play with Q. As always, I'm your host, Rich Kanunis, hashtag BYP. Check us out on social media, IG, Twitter, at Rich Q on Q. And of course, do not forget, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Rich Q on Q. All right, my guy who handles every gamut of college sports for on three sports. There he is. He's donning the uh, Rutgers <laughs> wrestling gear. That, of course, is uh, our good friend, Nick Costco. As always, give him a follow on Twitter, at Nick Costco 59 Kind enough to join us for a couple moments on a Thursday edition of BYP. What's going on, pal? How are you? I'm doing good, Rich. Uh, it was a rough weekend for Rutgers wrestling uh, against Northwestern last Sunday, but they have Maryland on uh, this Sunday at College Park. Uh, I'm not on the call again. You know, uh, Big Ten Network is actually picking up a couple more matches, so uh, I'm not back on the air for them until February 10th when they host Penn State, so that'll be a good time, but hopefully a bounce back uh, for them. I'm sure we'll get into uh, NFL stuff as well. As I, I was yeah. actually feeling much better last weekend about the NFL than uh, Rutgers wrestling. Well, yeah, I would imagine so, right, with the uh, Eagles and the Chiefs uh, advancing to the Super Bowl. We'll get into that. We'll get into Brady's retirement second time around. Uh, top 25 college hoops. You got some good games, uh, some good uh, docket of games this weekend as well. Just a couple things that uh, stand out for me. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of these games. Uh, you've got some good SEC matchups, uh, number four, Alabama against LSU. We've got Purdue and Indiana. That on paper looks like it's a good matchup. Uh, Texas, we talked a little bit about them last week, Tennessee. We saw what happened the other night with Tennessee. Texas and K-State, uh, where are you at right now with some of these games? Uh, Kansas as well, and uh, Iowa State on the docket. Uh, just a couple of quick takeaways. Again, I think Purdue, uh, as we've talked about now for, I think, a week or two, has yep. been the dominant team in college basketball, or I would say at least that that de facto dominant team in college basketball. They're, they're number one. I mean, I, I was seeing some tweets when they played Penn State the other night, and then it, it was like, oh, yeah, Penn State missed out on the upset bet. I saw a couple of reports. And I think to myself, well, they, they, they lost by like 20 points or whatever, wherever that final score was <laughs> the other night. I'm just like, maybe Penn State gave them a scare, maybe uh, right. out of the locker room. But <laughs> But Purdue, again, is the best team in college basketball right now. I figured there'd be more of an argument uh, last week when the AP poll came out, but they're 21-1 and now. I mean, they're 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 great. Yeah. Zach Eady is the best player in college basketball right now, in my mind. I mean, obviously, I've uh, had to split my time between college football, college wrestling, and college basketball all at once right now because it's a, you know, college athletics obviously never end. Even in the summer, we have a small little summer break, of course, for school. But um, the way I'm looking at it, Purdue's the best team. Uh, Tennessee got knocked off by Florida, which was – a little surprising. Uh, obviously, Florida just kind of rolled through them a little bit. So, uh, again, looking back at Houston, the Alabamas, uh, Kansas yep. bounced back. Good win over Kansas State as well. That was a top-10 matchup. So, they're pretty evenly matched. So, it's nothing against Kansas State. Just Kansas uh, was better that night. They split their meetings. So, uh, those are my biggest takeaways. But, I mean, I would say you, you guys say Purdue is – not far and away the best team, but they're easily the best team uh, by the rankings, by their recent results on paper, and just based on what we've seen throughout the course of between 20 and 24 games, however many you've played, uh, Purdue is, I would say, your easy choice for number one right now. Yeah, I don't think there's any debate really when it comes to it. I mean, people will still try to argue Alabama. They've got three losses. They'll argue uh, Houston. Uh, for my estimation, you mentioned Edie. I think he's the uh, consensus player of the year right now. I mean, he's a walking double-double. He plays both ends of the floor. They have the guard play. We know that. They have Indiana over the weekend, ranked 21st, 15 at 7-11-3 at home. They got a couple of nice players in their forward, Davis, Xavier Johnson. He's a pretty good guard. They just saw their five-game winning streak uh, get snapped. To Maryland. So, you know, good spot, Indiana. Maybe they cover the nut. Maybe they cover the number. I don't know. But Purdue just has that look and feel of a team 
that's going to make a really deep run uh, into March. Yeah, I would say so just the way it is right now. I mean, they're kind of not running away with the Big Ten, but I believe in my last look at my last brief look at the uh, standings, uh, they were ahead by two or three games now in that first place. You know, you have a couple teams like uh, like like Rutgers, for instance, was, was chasing them. I know they had a big win uh, last night over Minnesota. But, you know, Minnesota's towards the bottom of the Big Ten as well. And I, you know, I'm only toot my uh, alma mater's horn a little bit there, and you know, maybe they'll get back into the top twenty-five. But yeah, I mean, Purdue owns the Big Ten right now. Uh, they should be able to make a deep run in March, obviously. Take the conference tournaments a little bit with a grain of salt only sure. because you never know. Purdue can get knocked off in the semis or maybe they, they lose in the finals and maybe they don't get the number one seed or maybe they right. still lose in the Big Ten finals and they still get a number one seed in one of the four regions in March Madness. So obviously you have to wait till the big dance itself to really see, to really uh, maybe make your actual pick about the bullet yeah. makers. But I would say, you know, how I mentioned a couple of weeks ago about, uh, you know, just use Rutgers as an example, the way they were playing, they got back to the twenty or top 25, you know, a team like that playing really well in the Big Ten has not has had a pretty uh, good amount of wins or good wins, I should say. You know, you get to the Sweet 16. If you're Purdue, I mean, you're thinking nothing less than a Final Four appearance. At Absolutely. Because you've been number one uh, a few a handful of times this year. But now this, this, this seems like the most consistent time of the year where Purdue is going to be that number one team in the country. And until somebody knocks them off or you see a team like Alabama or Houston just not lose again until the tournament, then – I would say Purdue's your number one team, and I would say a minimum Matt Painter and company need to get to the Final Four to really justify a great year. I think sometimes when you look at these teams that have these outstanding starts, I mean, you look at Alabama 19-3, you look at Tennessee, I think they're 18-4. and four. We already documented uh, Purdue. We've spoken about the Houston Cougars as well. What, what I look for is sometimes a loss late can help you, as crazy as it sounds, especially when you're going in with a 12, 13, 14-game mm-hmm. winning streak and you rip through the conference tournament, you cut down the net, you win your conference title, and then you get into March Madness because it's a one-and-done scenario. Sometimes you got to – I know it's kind of goofy to say, but sometimes you got to take that early L, so to speak, before you get into the dance. Maybe humble yourself, reassess. But you're right. Those teams we mentioned, especially Purdue, it's cutting down the net or nothing this year. I mean, it's feast or famine. You can make the case for Tennessee, Houston, Alabama. You know, we can throw other teams into the mix as well, but I definitely think it's there. They're the most complete and deep team. If I were to ask you right now, though, you look at some of these other matchups, uh, Virginia 17 and three in the ACC, good mark of nine and two. They got Vodtech. Uh, Vodtech has really just stunk up the joint in conference play three and eight. Uh, you've got Kansas, Iowa State. Uh, you've got Tennessee trying to bounce back. We mentioned K-State. They have a pretty good ranking, right? So I'm throwing a couple teams at you right now. Texas, 18 and four. Mm-hmm. They won three out of four. Uh, what, which one of those teams you think can kind of upset the apple cart or maybe be a sleeper? Because we're always highlighting Purdue, but give me a team or two that's not Alabama, Tennessee, or Houston, aside from Purdue, that you think can make some noise. I mean, I guess you got to go with UCLA. I know they had a tough loss yep. in their last game out against USC. It's not, I mean, that's not what you exactly want, but Mick Cronin has done a great job with that program. It was what, I think, if memory serves correctly, it was two or three years ago they made the Final Four as a 10 seed or an 11 seed. My math, my math might, might not be right there, but they made that run to the Final Four. You know, obviously they lost that game to uh, Gonzaga yep. uh, at the buzzer in that epic semifinal game uh, in the NCAA tournament. But I would say UCLA, just, just by the way they're coached and the way Mick Cronin is able to, really get that program rolling. I mean, they're really good. I mean, again, that loss to USC is probably going to drop a little bit in the top 25. But, I mean, you mentioned it before how, in the general sense, you might want – not that you want to lose, obviously, but if you get that loss, 
you know, earlier in the season, midway yes. this year, or even late in the season, if it's before the tournament play in, in whether it's conference play or obviously if it's March Madness, you're out. But if it, you know, if it's in conference play in the tournament or if it's late in the regular season, it's almost like it's a sense of relief because we've seen how hard it is to go undefeated in college basketball. We've seen Kentucky try to do it uh, within recent memory, which I mean, I can go back to a mid-major Wichita state. What was that within the last, it was within the last 10 years, 10 years, they were undefeated. Yeah. They got bounced in the second round. So, you know, it's the, the, the pressure is on you to keep winning. Even if you're, even if you're Purdue, you're 21 and one, what if they don't lose until March Madness, like uh, the NCAA tournament, let's just say they win the Big Ten, and that team is what I mean. At that point, you play thirty-one games. You know, they're, they're thirty and one, maybe even twenty-nine and two. Then you win three games in the Big Ten tournament. This team could be thirty-two and two or thirty-three and one, right around those parts. And it's like, what if they get upset in the second round? It's totally possible yes. for that to happen as a number one seed. We've seen it plenty of times. We've seen the story before. So. But maybe a team like UCLA losing to your in-state rival on the road, maybe it's a bit of a wake-up call. So I would call UCLA maybe a little bit of a sleeper right now. As I like the way Mick Cronin coaches and what they've done over the past couple of years. Now, am I going to say they're going to run for the Final Four? Not necessarily, but I would say you know watch out for UCLA just because they lost to USC uh, just a couple of days ago. I, mean, I would not rule them out from making a little bit of a run now. You know, making some noise again in March Madness. Yeah, those are interesting points you bring up. And you're right, sometimes that loss kind of helps you because we're seeing even this season, it's kind of fluky and goofy when it comes from a betting standpoint. A lot of upsets, we're seeing teams that are 15, 16, 17, 18 point dogs that are winning games flat out outright. Right. So, and just, to, and just yeah. to add on to that, too, you go with, uh, you know, you go to the college football model, you can kind of tell who's going to win. Week in and week out. You only play the 12 games and then you have your conference championship games. You pretty much knew this year who was going to make the college football playoff. It's harder to pick upsets in college football. Now they do happen. Obviously, we saw Tennessee go down. We saw Tennessee even beat Alabama, you know, and vice versa. We see we've seen a couple of big upsets this year in college football, but college basketball is so random. Yes, you have your great teams, and your great teams are going to beat up on the small teams. Those upsets won't really happen until in tournament play, where it's the one and done, and you're going for broke there. Regular season. It could be fluky. You know, maybe you have an off night. You lose two in a row to who you, you really shouldn't have. It, it, it's almost like it get, it's hard to pick in the regular season. Then it's harder to pick it in the tournament, obviously. But then on the flip side, it's almost like, how do you predict it in the regular season? Because I wouldn't have picked UCLA right. to lose to USC the other night. I wouldn't have picked – and obviously, Penn State didn't beat Purdue. But I, I wouldn't have picked well, Penn State to beat Purdue at all. Or I wouldn't have picked Houston, Florida to beat Tennessee. Yeah. So, or Houston, uh, Temple, Rutgers, Purdue. Right. I mean, it, it, you can't get, as a – you know. Even in my biased approach, uh, when I'm talking about uh, the Scarlet Knights, like, could I say, yeah, I can see him beating them because they did it last year at the buzzer, but that was at home. Going to Mackey Arena in West Lafayette, am I going to see that? No, I wouldn't pick that. Not necessarily. Would I be shocked if it happens? Not not really, but, you know, just taking the cap off, too, I'd be like, no, I'm not picking them to do that. And that happens to be Purdue's only law, so it's like, what? where where does Purdue go? I mean, we can can talk in circles about Purdue, but it's just one of those things where college basketball is that much more fluky flukier than college football. Yep, I agree 100%. Midway through a Thursday edition of BYP, Rich Canyon is here, Nick Costco from On3 Sports. Joining us, we'll take a timeout. When we come back on the other side, we got to go to the gridiron, got to go to NFL, Super Bowl Sunday right around the corner. We'll kind of recap Championship Sunday, which was a snooze fest if you were a betting man when it came to the Eagles and the 49ers. Hopefully you put a little coin in the pocket and you backed your place, so to speak. AFC, a little different. Tom Brady's retirement as well. We'll come back on the other side right after this.
Welcome back, everyone, to a Thursday edition of BYP with Q. I'm your host, as always, Rich Quinones on three sports is Nick Costco. Kind enough to join us on a Thursday edition. All right. So we ran through the gamut. College hoops. Good stuff. We'll make the transition now from basketball, from the hardwood to the gridiron, the NFL, uh, your Philadelphia Eagles in a game that wasn't even competitive against the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they dispatched the 49ers. They advanced to the Super Bowl. Obviously, they'll take on Kansas City, maybe with a little uh, help from uh, the Zebra, so to speak, who uh, dispatched a game Cincinnati squad. All right, we'll spend a moment or two with the Philadelphia Eagles because I mentioned this earlier in the week on BYP, Nick. I, I think this is shaping up right now. I don't believe both quarterbacks are 100%. I, I still believe Mahomes is a lot more compromised, obviously, than Hurts. But this game, glossing over, reeks of what Tampa Bay did a couple of years ago against Kansas City with their defensive line. We saw what the Eagles were able to do against San Francisco. And again, the whole narrative of this, who have you beaten, who's on your schedule? I don't, I don't care about that stuff anymore. It is what it is. You make it this far, you get to the Super Bowl, tells me you're a heck of a team. Uh, they are a 60-minute team. They're going to punch in the mouth. They're going to take care of business. And that's exactly what they did against San Fran. And once Purdy goes down, the whole complexion really of the game uh, changes. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, you saw that was the first drive. I actually went back and looked at it again. I'm thinking to myself, no, that was the second drive. No, it was the first drive. The Eagles actually held the ball for so long on their opening drive. And, you know, the Devontae Smith's catch or no catch, obviously, was not a catch on Correct. upon a further inspection, <laughs> you know, much later Highlight in the first that. quarter. But, I mean, yeah, it's clearly not a catch. You, you can't pretend that it was a catch. But in the moment, no, not it at was all. a catch, not and he all. had the heads-up play, obviously. But that set the tone for the game. And, obviously, once Brock Purdy went down, you pretty much felt the way that the Eagles were going to win that football game because Josh Johnson, you know, all respect to him, he's been playing in the NFL for over a decade. But he's a journeyman quarterback. He's never been a consistent starter for a reason. There you go. Game was pretty much over. I mean, as an Eagle fan, uh, at least for me, because I, you know, I'm so locked in when, when I actually, you know, take take my uh, media cap off and I can go back to being a fan. Was I a little nervous when it was seven seven? Maybe a little bit. I'm thinking to myself, well, if the offense can't get going. San Fran can make this really ugly, and it could be a long day. Or it could be right. it could be come down to the wire. That's why I felt like the game could go. But then, they, and then the uh, Philadelphia uh, scores two touchdowns before the half, and then it's pretty much over at that point. And you're just kind of watching the clock tick for them to cap it off and get back to the Super Bowl. So that's the way that game uh, turned out. So as far as the matchup with Kansas City, you know, you you kind of hit the nail on the head with it where the comparisons are coming in with Tampa Bay against Kansas City just from a couple of years ago where the defense of Tampa Bay just obviously harassed Patrick yeah. Mahomes the entire time. Can the Eagles do that to him? Absolutely. It's particularly if that ankle is not good enough. It's not going to be 100%. No. Is he going to be much better in that game than he was against Cincinnati? I would say so, because you have two weeks to get ready for the game. And I would say the same goes for Jalen Hurts. He'll feel much better in the Super Bowl than he did in the NFC Championship game. Now, can the Eagles win this game without Hurts playing at the MVP level he was playing all season long and win on the ground? I think they can, because they obviously win the line of scrimmage on both on both sides of the football. But I feel like that's where everyone's pointing to, where they say, well, all right, well Philadelphia is a one-and-a-half-point favorite right now. It's practically a pick em at this point, so it's like, there's all the experts and every, all, you know, everyone who's predicting this game right now, they're saying, well, the Eagles are going to win because of the line of scrimmage. While that may be true, the game's totally different because you have two weeks to prepare. Andy Reid finally got over the hump. He knows what he's doing. And then as far as the Eagles are concerned, you still have to contain Patrick Mahomes. I don't care how much pressure you get on him. He can still make magic happen out of nowhere. But again, it will be one up front, I think, on but, both sides. Yeah, but he's again, he he's he's going to be limited. The mobility is not going to be 100%. And when you're playing in cold weather, 
then it's a different animal because right. you're pretty much numb. You're not feeling it. You're now warm weather, Arizona, a little more tenderness. Here you go. Look, they're going to work it through. He's going to get the PT. He'll do the therapy. He'll rehab it. He'll rest. He'll do everything that he needs to do to be ready. He's playing come hell or high water. Um, I go back to that game and even the catch, no catch, which evidently, I mean, it was clear as day. It wasn't a catch. I mean, forget about the expedited replay that failed miserably. If they don't score, if the Eagles don't score, then the play calling for San Francisco is a little different. Maybe Purdy doesn't get hurt, but again, it's a huge what if game right there. It is a mate, but that is life and that's sports, right? They're always big. What ifs the line of scrimmage, the way the Eagles attack the offensive line and they throw so many different weapons, Kansas city's wide receivers are still banged up. They have to rest. They have to heal. I mean, the matchup itself, it's an intriguing matchup because I feel as though the Eagles are going to play this disrespected slightest card and man, it's a Super Bowl. You don't need to talk yourself into that. And then Kansas City kind of just, you know, going about their business, doing their thing. Andy and the Philadelphia Eagles. I, I think there's a hundred storylines. I want to, I, I do want to get your thoughts on this though. So it seems as the narrative again, that the Eagles are where they're at right now because of what Andy Reid did 20 years ago, which I think is absolutely asinine to even try to highlight or try to argue because let's be honest, that last season as head coach, that team started to roll over. They rolled over like a bunch of dogs against the Giants, 42 to seven. Andy Reid's time was done. We have to really give credit to Howie Roseman. We have to really give credit to Jeffrey Lurie because even going through Chip Kelly and then coming back with a no-name in Doug and winning it with a backup, getting rid of Doug, taking a guy no one heard of as Sirianni. You have to start to really look at this organization now where it's one of the best, I would say the most properly run, the most professional run in all of sports. If you're really being fair and objective because the consistency's there, and again, this is not a knock on Andy Reid, but come on, man, stop. Give credit to the GM. Give credit to the owner. Right, and it was interesting because you know Andy Reid got Philadelphia, got the Philadelphia Eagles pretty much back on the upper, back into the upper echelon of the NFL. He brought credibility back. Right, to the and they they never were really there. And again, I'm a younger Eagle fan, obviously. So I was, I mean, I, basically, my memory goes back as far as Andy Reid's early days with the Philadelphia Eagles. So. You know, I wasn't around for the uh, back in the 80s with Dick Vermeil. And he, Dick Vermeil was the first guy to really say, all right, we're, we're bringing the Eagles out of the dumps because obviously the, during the pre Super Bowl era, Philadelphia was a pretty good franchise, you know, three championships, 48, 49, 60. But that was the moniker of, well, they won the pre Super Bowl era. What have they done since then? And it was right. nothing until Dick Vermeil kind of woke Buddy, up a, yep. so to speak, sleeping giant. But then yep. he could not sustain it over a long period of time. They had the Buddy Ryan era where, that was great, but obviously they never won a playoff game with him. And then you kind of interchange with coaches, you know, Ray Rhodes, Rich Kotite had yep, those guys. Yep. Then Andy Reid, as you mentioned, brought the credibility back to the franchise. And that was Jeffrey Lurie's first hire was what was Andy Reid, or basically the most important hire he's probably ever made uh, as the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, did Andy, is Andy Reid the reason why the Eagles won the Super Bowl five years after his departure, after his firing? No, of course not. Now, he laid the foundation of, there were some players left over from the Andy Reid era, of course, but don't forget they. I mean, everyone seems to forget that, they, that that there was a Chip Kelly era, and it wasn't all bad under Chip Kelly. His first year, 
He has to deal with uh, Michael Vick, who went down with injuries. And this is three years after Andy Reid revived his career. Nick Foles comes in, who, was, again, Andy Reid did draft Nick Foles. Yes. This is only Nick Foles' second year. Comes out of nowhere. You know, everyone remembers 27 and two, 27 touchdowns, two picks. They get to the playoffs, but they, you know, they're one and done, but they win the division 10 and six, one and done. Next year, 10 and six, missed the playoffs. You know, they had a, they, they had what? They lost like three or four of the last uh, three of the last four games. Bad, bad losses, bad losses. If they were bad losses. Yeah, the Cowboys Detroit. game, the, the Seahawks game. Yep. And then you're like, well, what, what happened here? And again, Foles was hurt. Mark Sanchez. All right. But still, Chip Kelly, 20 and 12 in two years. And then, Obviously, once he got the GM powers and Harry Rosen was thrown into a broom closet, you know, then yeah, then, then obviously they go downhill. Then they then they make the drastic changes. Howie's back is reinstated as GM. Doug comes in 2016. You start seeing some pieces, you know, some some of the old Andy Reid culture, I would say, that Doug sure. took from his time there. Uh, but he put his own stamp on it. Then of course it all came together in 2017. And but don't forget, you know, everyone points to the Super Bowl and how it was like it was a Cinderella dream season, 13 and three. You lose your MVP quarterback. Foles comes in. It's a magical story, right? Typical underdog story. 2018 and 19, they still get back to the playoffs. I know Foles yeah. did it the next year, but Wentz got them back in 2019, albeit it was a roller coaster of a nine and seven, you know, division championship year. And then of course, 2020 happens where it kind of just all fell apart. And then you're thinking to yourself, all right, well, that was a nice couple. That, that was a nice run. Now you have to completely rebuild the franchise again. Right, right. But 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 Howie is smart enough where he learned from a lot of mistakes before and after the Chip Kelly era where Jeffrey Lurie entrusted him, and then you mentioned the organizational structure. Without those two guys, learning from the highs and lows of Andy Reid, the past um, mistakes, uh, yeah, the past mistakes of Chip Kelly, uh, the ups and downs of Doug Peterson. You know, obviously the, the highest of highs, then the lowest of lows. They put it all together, and they're like, "Well, we know how to hire coaches. Every coach that's been on, that's been coaching the Philadelphia Eagles since Jeffrey Lurie took over as owner has made the playoffs." Two of them got the Super Bowls, and one of them won it. Right. right. I think actually three of them now with uh, Nick Sirianni going to the Super Bowl this year. So you mentioned the organizational structure. It could be the best in the NFL. It could be one of the best in all of sports right now because it is kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. You go through four coaches, and three of them get the Super Bowls since 1996. I mean, that yes. is kind of unheard of. The only other team that gets back to that often was Kansas City right now, and that's Andy Reid. And they look at the Belichick Patriots. Other than that, I mean, who gets there consistently other than, you know, Mike Tomlin got there twice with the Steelers. Steelers are known as a great organization. But, I mean, no one has been this consistent as a playoff contender out of the NFC. And now it is in their third Super Bowl this century. Yeah, and the interesting point is both those playoff losses, think about it, to the Saints, right, bounce of the ball, so to speak. And that Chip Kelly game, the defense had lapses, and they also had a special teams lapse late in that game as well. Um, It'll be, like I said, we have another week to kind of dissect this and gloss it over and whatnot. But, yeah, I I think he brought – he restored the credibility, the structure, the calmness. Here we go. We're going to do it this way. Boom, boom, boom. Ownership, GM, if they take the hits, they certainly have to get the credit. All right. Got a couple before we close out. Let's get into this. Tom Brady announced his retirement uh, earlier in the week. And, again, I I believe this is something where when you watch it, certainly looks like it's pre-recorded. We know it didn't drop that day of. Uh, he looked and sounded extremely sincere. And I go back to when you're not 100%, when you're not all in invested, it's not fair to an organization. It's not fair to a franchise, to fan base, or your teammates. Tom Brady doesn't owe anyone any type of apology, right? And the debate will begin. Where do we rank them? Can we have a 1A? Can we have a 1B? I'll say this. I will miss Tom Brady playing because I loved his fire his passion. It was must watch. And you can't dismiss 
or debate what this resume, what this man has achieved throughout the course of his career. Now, can I argue Montana? Can I argue Marino? Can I argue, you know, Sunday to Sunday, Peyton Manning? That's for down the road. But I believe he's done. And I don't think we're ever going to see a run quite like this. And the funny thing too, Nick, is, um, and I'll let you have the last word and final word on this. If it's not for Mo Lewis, Mo Lewis changes the, the course and complexion of two franchises in the NFL history. He knocks out Drew Bledsoe when he's playing for the Jets and in comes, oh, this kid no one's heard of, Tom Brady. The Jets are tormented by this guy for 20-something odd years and the <laughs> Patriots go and have this wonderful run with Tom Brady and obviously he caps it off a couple of years ago winner Super Bowl with Tampa. Could Mo Lewis be the most hated New York Jet of all time at this point? Hey, no, I mean, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm not a Jet fan, so I don't know, but he could be up there. Um, yeah, it, it's... It's all, it was almost a somber moment because you kind of expected it was going to come. I mean, frankly, I thought he would play one more year, or, or at least if he was going to play one more year, he was going to go elsewhere, you know, go to San Fran, try to get his way to Vegas or, you know, Tennessee with Mike, with Mike Vrabel. You know, maybe, you know, Miami says all the right things. Maybe try to go back down to Miami and try to get that going. Or, you know, I, I, what was the whole thing with Sean Payton last year where there was rumor that yep. Sean Payton would go to the Dolphins instead and he would try to bring Brady or whatever that was. Yep. So. It was more of a somber moment because, again, last year it was almost like it was almost celebratory last year when he initially did it because he almost has another epic comeback in the playoffs. And, it, you know, again, it, I think his defense in the end let him down, if I remember that game correctly, yeah, where Rams, he yep. scored right at the end yep. to end that comeback bid. Um, and then this year it's like, oh, he's, just, he's kind of just going through the motions. And, again, he had a lot more stuff going on personally, and I think him coming back for the, for the last year kind of just that that was the straw that broke the Campbell's back if we're talking about his personal life. But, again, that's neither here nor there. But it was more of a somber moment that him to step away. But 23 years, to me, he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Obviously, that's another, you know, that's a debate for another day, but he's the best quarterback I've ever seen in my lifetime. Obviously, I have my favorites, like you know, Peyton Manning. I prefer him over Brady, but Brady's the best I've ever seen. I was talking, I was talking to Mark Schlereth on uh on with on three the other day, and he was actually a little bit surprised as well that he stepped away and he said, Yeah, you never say never. Like he basically he was like. We ex I expect him to stay retired, but you can never say never. He might get that itch again. He might actually come back. You never know. But even uh, Schlereth, who now works obviously at Fox Sports, and he is a broadcaster, and I think us in the media as well that cover and are, are also fans of the game. Obviously, we didn't play at the highest level, but you know, you look at it, it's like, wow, we are, we're, we're going to miss watching him on the field because you, know, you look at the past. Look, look at this whole century. You can't go a Sunday without saying, oh, yeah, Tom Brady did this, Tom Brady did that, or we're talking about Tom Brady with the Patriots or the Bucks. You can't. It, it's going to be so weird. It was very weird when Peyton Manning stepped away. It was. It, it's weird when Roethlisberger stepped away. That like that whole era is now almost gone because Rodgers is still around. For, for who knows? Maybe he could retire as well. But it, 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 we're finally at the point where we have transitioned to the next generation entirely. Now we have the Mahomes, the Burrows, maybe the Jalen Hurts, the Josh Allen's. Obviously, you have uh, who else? I mean, Stafford's still. I know Stafford's older, but he's still around as well. But you have these the young and up and comers yep. are now at the forefront of the league where Tom Brady was the figurehead of the NFL. Now he's finally away. So it is a bit of a sober moment compared to last year. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent call on that one. Good closing uh, points on this Thursday edition of BYP. Of course he is Nick Costco on three sports college sports reporter does a great job covers 
the college game like no other. You can catch them, uh, call an action in our backyard in Atlantic City, Cape Atlantic League as well. High school sports, college sports. Are you wrestling? Give them a follow at Nick Costco 59. He was kind enough to join us on a Thursday edition of BYP with Q. Always appreciate a couple moments, my friend. As always, uh, everyone out there, check us out on the YouTube channel, Rich Q on Q. Hashtag BYP at RichQ on Twitter and, of course, IG. And we will do it again next Thursday. We'll break down the Super Bowl Eagles and Kansas City with you. Appreciate a couple moments on a Thursday, pal. Appreciate it as always, Rich.